Hi, Corey. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you? I am doing well. This is Corey Andalora with me tonight. He is a designer now for Weird Draft Games. He has uh, Explosions in the Laboratory, which I've got to play with my son, uh, Blaze. You're listening to Board Game Games Season 4, Episode 10, as I talk with game designer Corey Andalora about his upcoming game, Explosion in the Laboratory, from Weird Draft Games, as well as some of his other game designs, and what gaming is like in Vermont. Thanks for listening as we continue to explore the world of tabletop gaming. Happy gaming! And we checked it out before it was completely finished, I, I guess. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But we got to play it. We, we enjoyed it. And uh, he's going to talk about his game tonight. He's had some other stuff. Um, he's co-designed. And he has a game called, um, I might say it wrong now, after we just talked about, but uh, Mission Critical coming out too? Uh, Mission Control Critical. Mission Control. So you had some of the same some okay. of the records in there. <laughs> yeah, but but mainly we're going to focus on, on talking about explosions in laboratory, which is kind of a pocket version or predecessor thematically to um, fire in the library, which is push your luck and just a much smaller version that you can take anywhere with you. So that did you enjoy fire in the library, uh, um, the library, and that's why you wanted to do that, or how how did this design process get started for you? Yeah, good question. Um, it is uh, probably at the time. So that we're talking about a few years ago now uh, when I designed uh, Explosion in the Laboratory. Uh, it was one, my probably my favorite Weird Giraffe game. And uh, Weird Giraffe held a contest to create an 18-card game that was either in the same universe or a prequel or a sequel to one of their existing games. And so I chose, naturally, Fire in the Laboratory for a number of uh, Fire in the Library, their game. For a number of reasons. One, uh, I mean, it was one of my favorite games in their uh, library, but also I liked the challenge of how can I get that same feeling of, so if, for those who are not familiar with Fire in the Library, it's uh, basically a almost like a bag building game, but it's push your luck where you're putting fire cubes into a bag and you're, you're drawing out to try to save books and if you draw too many fire cubes, the red ones, uh, you know, you burn, you burn part of the library down, and you, it's your version of busting in a push your luck game. Yeah. And so it's a bag of cubes. And so my the challenge to myself, because I like to give myself design challenges, was how can I simulate that with only eighteen cards? Hmm. And so the way I did it is uh, there's actually I made it five cards, where there's uh, instead of books because it's an explosion laboratory, there's actually test tubes of chemicals. Uh, there's 20, pardon my cat's jumping around here. There's 20 no chemicals on each of the five cards numbered one, uh, you know, numbers two through 20. Or And what happens is you shuffle them and you lay them out in a row and you add up two numbers and it tells you which one to reference. So with those five cards, you're going to reference one chemical that you're going to, as if you were drawing it from a bag. Now, the way... That, uh, to simulate, hey, as, as time goes by, my odds are changing. Well, on those five cards, there's a fire level. So as you progress through the game, you're going to reference a different uh, card where the distribution is different and it leans towards more uh, likely of exploding. So uh, I, I tried, I, that's how I took the bag of cubes and turned it into cards to get that same drawing, pushing your luck feeling. Yeah. So did did you primarily approach that once once you got going and, and thought I, I want to have these five cards? Did you primarily approach that through the mathematical odds, or did you go with a little bit of feel or a combination of, of both? Because push your luck games, um, 
yeah so some people do all all math and that's it and, and other people uh yeah what what did you do uh so that what happened is uh it was a hybrid but a lot of spreadsheets right okay so yeah what yeah. i did is i i knew how many chemicals were on each sheet uh i knew so you have five cards so there's literally five times four 20 layouts for what could be the leftmost and the rightmost clerk cards so there's 20 possibilities so one out of 20 is you know any one thing could be chosen and so then i there's uh chemical colors red blue and yellow so it's all the primary colors mm -hmm. uh and so then i came up what what distribution and what percentage i wanted each one to show up based mm -hmm. on how, how difficult it would be and how likely you would explode so a lot of tweaking spreadsheets a lot of uh you know a lot of math to figure out okay what are the exact odds and where what do they start at and where do they end when it's at the like the riskiest yeah okay uh so with the game um what how did you play test it? Because you said a, a few years ago, did what, did you play test primarily online, or did you get to play test with family and friends, or did you have a play test group, or how that? So go this uh, this contest was firmly in the height of pandemic, uh -huh. so it was all online. Uh, and even my co designer uh, on a lot of games, so he didn't. Uh, my co designer Donnie Coleman, I'll probably mention him a lot because I work with him a lot on a lot of uh, different games, not this one in particular, but he did help me play test it. But even he and I didn't see each other in person. So even with my co-designer who lives, you know, not that far from me, uh, we, we would, would play test online. And so uh, I had to put it, I think I put it in Tabletopia at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I put it on there. Uh, not, so not only did I you know, play test with people I knew, uh, I did go to uh, Weird Ref actually at the time also had a pretty vibrant uh, testing uh, channel and community. So I yeah. often brought it to that. Uh, I got feedback, um, you know, and constantly tweaked it to get those odds just right. Uh, there were some elements of, oh, I don't want to explode on my first draw, right? That doesn't yeah. feel good. Yeah. So there, there, there was a, a tweak that accommodated that. And like, also, I don't want to get so far that I know I'm not going to explode. So there needs to be a a condition that somehow you there's always a little bit of risk, um, because yeah. in in the game if you get like basically two reds and this is again a corollary to how far in the library works you get two red cubes you explode uh you get two reds uh in in explosion laboratory you explode but if you never get that first red there needs to be another risky element so uh yeah. you know, that something was added to make it risky no matter what uh so yeah through these channels of testing online um, and meeting new people and getting different uh, opinions really helped shape it. Very cool. Um, do you have other push your luck games you like? Uh, you mentioned bag building, uh, or not, sorry, not bag building, bag pulling earlier. earlier uh, like um, two that we've really enjoyed the last couple of years are, are Quacks and uh, Cubitos. Um, yeah. Are there other push your luck ones that, that have influenced you? So one that was introduced to me recently, it's actually a really old game, is Can't Stop. Oh, yeah. Uh, it yeah. is really fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, I played, um, there's uh, one that, so I have young kids, and uh -huh. uh, it's kind of like a, a light version of uh, Quacks' Creatures and Cupcakes, which is a fun little okay. special luck game. It's probably not super well known. 
Yeah, no, yeah. Who who, uh, who publishes that one? I I don't know. I've seen I ooh, uh, I know the designers, but I, the 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 publisher currently escapes me. Uh, the designers sure. are Dale Andrews and uh, Adrian um, Adamisu, I think is last name. Oh, so, okay. Uh, yeah, they did well. Yeah. Basically, that same duo did Sagrada. Right. Uh, yeah. So, I I I had no idea that they did that game. I'll, I'll have to look it up. That, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's definitely on the lighter side. It, you know, it's a game I play with my kids, but uh, yeah, it's got it's got similar fun ex explosion busts. Push it right. Yeah, no, very cool. Uh, is that typically the, the sort of, of game you're drawn to, or uh, I, I mean, so I mean, for for those who don't know, the 18 card thing is, is what Button Shy is is famous for. So it was interesting to me that that uh, I, I remember when when Carla put out the the uh, thing looking for the 18 card. Is Jurgen going to come in? Uh, the the one the version I got was like in a little clamshell thing, and I got a note in there that said this isn't final. Whatever. What what is your game going to come in? So um, it is going to be in a in a plastic case type container, as far as I know. Uh, okay. And everything's being finalized still, but oh, okay. Uh, it's also been expanded to to kind of separate it from uh, the the button shy uh, collections. It, it's going to be twenty seven cards actually. It's been expanded to okay. Give, there's um there's these process cards. So these are like tools that after nice. you after you might explode or bust, you get a card that helps you. And there's other ways to get them too, but these cards can help you do better on your next turn or score double points for doing something special. So we were able to, uh, in my game, there was only four of those. We were able to add a, a bunch more of those by expanding it to 27 cards. Um, my game originally at 18 only had you filling two uh, beakers or two, sorry, uh, test tubes, flasks, two flasks. Uh, we expanded it so you can fill up to three on your turn. So it gives you a little bit more, a uh, little more uh, risk reward, right? Yeah. Uh, you can the more of those that you can fill because each of them basically when you're drawing cards you can fill these up with chemicals the more of those you have the more turn more more risk you can take to keep going to get even more points but then of course the more you keep going the more likely you are to explode so uh, we were able to add uh, more more of that too so it's it was able to make the game a little bit uh, bigger um, and also I think uh, Carla has developed a uh, uh, solo mode, and so there's a solo mm -hmm. card that, that will also be included. Yeah, as far as, you know, again, none of this is final, but as far as I know, but uh, th that's what I've seen so far. But uh, you, you're going to be uh, on Backer Kit in November, beginning of November, right? I I believe, uh, yeah. yeah, November 1st is what I saw the announcement for. for okay. Being, um, I, I know it's been pushed back a couple times, so, uh, but things are weird right now still uh and that that's what i think um i mean the good part is you have a pretty small footprint game it's it's a lot easier to to ship i think we were talking about this uh beforehand um people yeah people don't completely understand how hard shipping is right now but anything that's small form factor is really yeah much better. i mean I, yeah i know a lot of you know, i'm friends with a lot of publishers and you know i i get some mm -hmm. of the inside information and, and I, I, you can see them agonize over yeah. the shipping and they're trying to do their best. Right. Like, I don't know if people know sometimes is they're, they're, they're eating some of the costs just to get these games out a little bit earlier. They're drop shipping units in some cases, which is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. There's, it's just, it's kind of crazy. And it's, 
as, as we go into um you know this type of time of year uh, i heard you know shipping units are getting up to 3x right now so you know it, it's either you know you you take that cost and get your game out earlier or or you wait through it yeah and back, actually i just on i mean on that note i just got an email um this week that our our, our holiday shipping costs are going up in general for for shipping games um so th- th- there's that to be aware of. but back to fun things <laughs> what what other what other uh types of games are you drawn to are you drawn to small form factor type games or um in, in general like if you go into your friendly local game store what are you going to pick up off the shelf yeah so i'm mostly drawn to the light to midweight engine builder so like okay the, the 45 minute to an hour light lighter on the you know light to medium weight uh engine building tableau building something where there's some sort of ramp up of power uh but but doesn't take you know two to three hours you know i'll play those games but i i i would say the majority of the games that i show end up in my collection or that ones that i'm drawn to are in that zone because uh i rather well, one, I like to get a couple games in in one night, if possible. But also, uh, uh, the games I'm willing to like try on a whim. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if it's if it's a shorter game, you're not going to get locked into a, a long experience that maybe you're, you you don't enjoy. And if you do end up enjoying it, well, great. You just you just found a game that you love. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with little investment. Are there particular designers that you like when when it comes to that kind oh, of? Oh, so I. Yeah. As far as designers, uh, Phil Walker Harding, I, I like follow. Yeah. I think I have a shelf right here has pretty much every game he's ever designed. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm inspired by him because he takes generally what's simple mechanisms and somehow just makes it extremely fun every single time. Like, yeah. you know, a game you'll you'll lay it out and be like, this not really much this game, and then you'll play it, and it, it's always kind of fun. Uh, yeah. I think I originally was introduced Sushi Go was uh the first game i played and then i think gizmos so on that like later, oh yeah 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 later engine building aside gizmos for the longest time was my favorite game uh just because again it was accessible i could play it with anybody again i tr- i not everyone i play with games with is like super <laughs> like a hardcore gamer yeah yeah There's more casual gamers i like to play with and i can pull that game out uh because it's an accessible theme and it, the mechanisms are pretty easy but yeah it still tickles my my engine building, uh, you know, and, and people and, like playing with the little marble things, even yeah, if they don't win, the marbles, which, yeah. you know, so yeah, arguably are not even necessary, but it, it makes right. the game, the, the, the little dispenser. It's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, Imhotep is another great game from, mm-hmm. from him. And, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I could rattle off a bunch of ones. So he inspires me, but he's not the only designer that I, I follow. Um, but I also like, uh, I mean, I could go back to Weird Giraffe. Uh, Studies yeah. of Sorcery is uh, is a really good one. Tumble Town, those both are in that kind of middle uh, engine build weight. So, um, I, my my favorite game right now, though, that I'm playing a lot of, or at least have been, and I I, I have never, I'll never tire of it, is uh, yeah. is Lost Ruins of Arnak. It's like that perfect weight, okay. per- perfect weight to engine building to. And the things that I enjoy in that and that I try to like, I try to use that and try to find a way to get that in my designs is something will happen and new information will be revealed 
and you're like, oh, I can now do this other thing. And there's yeah. uh, serendipitous moments is like, I, as the term I like to use, where just like something happens and you get that excitement that you suddenly can do something cool. So you don't just run up that uh, that right track the, the whole time? And try uh, to I've it. learned that you have to go up that track. Uh, but I, I love fighting the monsters. Yeah. That's, that's one of my favorite things. Um, so do, have you played with the expansion? Do you, do you like the expansion? Do you use the expansion? The, the leaders? Yeah. Expedition? I, I love the expansion. It does make it a meteor longer game for me. Right. Because well, basically you're more powerful. So all your turns are longer. Yeah. Uh, so with the right group, uh, but I mean, I love it with or without it. I'll, I'll do both. They're both great. Yeah. And I'm looking yeah. forward. I, I understand there's another one coming. So I'm pretty excited about that too. Yeah. that I haven't seen much on it. I don't know. Maybe, no, maybe you have. There's no info yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I, I didn't think so, but you know, I, I did, I, I'm still digesting everything from Essen last week. Uh, so I, I didn't totally possible. I missed something because <laughs> that there's a, just a flood coming out still of, of things to, to see there. Um, so yeah, you, you, uh, you, you are in a colder climate. I, I won't necessarily say what, what state you're from it unless you want to, uh, but you're, you're in a colder climate. It tends, in, in my experience, uh, those places tend to have a, a few more board gamers. What's the, uh, um, is there a change like as we go into fall and winter, is there a change in how many board gamers there are in your area that are willing to play games or um, do, do you have a pretty good group year round? So that's a good question. I think um, so. I, I'm in Vermont. I don't mind saying oh, sure. uh, I moved okay. here a little over a decade ago. Uh, and when I first, one of the first things I did was seek out a board game group. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and uh Honestly, I wasn't even, I was into board games, but I didn't realize, you know, the, how big the world really was until I, mm. until this time where I found this group and they're introducing me to games that I, I've never, you know, heard of, never would have seen otherwise. I, I remember the first time I played with this group, uh, you know, Lords of Waterdeep. Yeah. And I think it was my first worker placement experience. And I was just like, whoa, this, this game is super cool. Yeah. Um, and that you can do things like this, but uh that group is mostly i mean a lot of people have moved away uh you know i think pandemic really kind of made things mm. difficult like you know a lot of times we it was people that i you know you meet at work and you, you see them outside of work you play games i do have a regular group uh and i mentioned donnie donnie coleman uh we play games uh you know multiple times a week so i we always have <laughs> we always yeah. have each other we're, we're playing games uh it's often why i look for games that at least support two, you know, I, I'm not that I'm opposed to those three plus games, but like, I, I'm not, I can't guarantee I'm always going to get a third. Right. Uh, but yeah, I have, I have a group and, you know, coordinating schedules is getting harder because a lot of people are working from home now. And so we're on like these different schedules and uh, versus like, you, you see them at work every day. You're like, Hey, want to play, want to play tonight? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that, that's hard. I, I was just talking with uh, someone recently who had had a regular group before the pandemic, and uh, now it's kind of dwindled down to one other person occasionally, and and they're re really missing uh, that community. Um, but it, it, I don't know. I I, I think that people are, are still finding um, 
still finding what they're going to do now. I, we were kind of talking about that before too, that there's a, a hybrid with how um, game design goes now. And and so this game, you, you said you, you um, were, were able to pitch it and show it and everything completely uh, digitally. And there's, there's some people still doing a little bit of that, but now we, we've gotten to the point where some people are going to conventions again and pitching, but there's still uh, some online things. What do you... Um, see as the biggest benefit that has come from uh, pitching uh, digitally and doing things digitally. Do you still have, have a good playtest group digitally or, or how's that uh, now that, that some people have gone back to. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the playtest groups, I mean, there's still lots of them out there. Uh, a lot of the ones I was involved with kind of dissolved <laughs> yeah. as, as we, we are starting to creep back out of this pandemic. I imagine though, uh, a lot of that's because, you know, People, it's it was summer. People uh, want to mm. get out. I imagine, as we you mentioned earlier about well, going into the winter, I, I imagine a lot of people are you know it gets dark earlier. There's yeah. gonna these opportunities are gonna show up uh, again. I, I still I still do a lot of play testing online. I do have actually a regular online group that we play every other week each other's games. You know, uh, it'll be early in the week. We'll say anyone have anything to test this week? It's mm. kind of a, and whoever says. Yeah, I have a game I want to I want to see at the table. Uh, if there's multiple people, we kind of we we take turns. Like, well, you went last week, so it's so and so's turn. So we I do have a regular group that we are play testing each other's games quite regularly and and getting them uh, uh, remotely. Uh, we're mm -hmm. all I think uh, other than me and Donnie, everyone else is in a different state. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, uh, it's it's pretty regular. I will say uh, though, I'm I'm happy to see conventions becoming a thing. Uh, because there is some opportunity now there to kind of uh, a lot of uh, publishers they know it, it's great for us designers to be able to play test these digitally, but until like you touch it and feel it, you don't know how long the game's going to take to play because you know there's always that yeah. digital tax of this game is longer than it probably would be in real life. Uh, there's there's no reading of emotions of the people playing mm -hmm. it necessarily, mm -hmm. the and just uh, like seeing how many components. So that there's. Being able to do a little this hybrid approach that you mentioned of yeah I'm going to show them a piece of it online but then physically in person maybe another time or other di different uh, scenarios they'll still be able to get that as well and when I was at this convention it was great because I played so many party games those, <laughs> those are not games that I've been playing you know online I, I don't think you get the same experience uh, you know you you'd have to somehow wrangle up enough people to play a party game. Uh, but they're just not meant to be played that way, right? Right, um, right. So we played so many party games, and it was good to do that again. Uh, that's what I found interesting the, this last weekend. Um, I didn't have to work at con. I, I was just going to enjoy, and we were at my local uh, con, Sin City Con here in Cincinnati, and um, there were more party games than I was used to. Like, like even, I, even me, I don't usually play a whole lot of party games, but a con is when I will. But, like, the very first day uh, I did blood on the clock tower and there were, it was a full game. There, there was one open seat. Um, and then it was, I, I saw a lot of that through the weekend is, is just people uh, playing different party games. I, I think people have been wanting that, wanting that ability to have in-person connection and that kind of emotional connection where that, you know, whether they're laughing or, you know, trying to deduce or, or whatever. Uh, so what's your favorite party game then that you got to play? Uh, so, um, What's my favorite one? I played this one called, uh, I think it's called True Facts. That's oh. just coming up. Yeah. And where that was pretty fun, where 
one, it's just a random question and, uh, you know, it really doesn't, there's no right or wrong answer, but then the first player puts what kind of, they write a number and their, uh, yeah. and their names on one side and they write a number or something answer on the other side and they put it face down and yeah. everyone else is trying to guess if they're, they think they, their answer for themselves would be higher or lower than the other person. So it might be something like, you know, on a scale of one to a hundred, you know, how much do you like French fries? I don't know. I don't right, know if that's right. the question, but it's something like that. And so someone's like, "Oh, I love French fries, so I'm going to put in. I'm going to put ninety. Nobody likes French fries more than me." And then, <laughs> but you need to like try to under feel like you understand what that person is thinking. Right. Like, I think I I know Joe. Joe likes French fries, or they hate them. And so you're everyone goes around, and then once it gets back to the original person, they have one more opportunity to move move their arrow, and then you reveal, and then you see how many you got right. It's, it's like a, it's a party uh uh cooperative party game which is yeah fun. yeah no, that sounds fun i wouldn't so, say it's my favorite but you know i play it's top of mind because <laughs> i played it somewhat recently but yeah it was very good. so so what what uh what con was that that's as a one in syracuse new york called cuse con um, okay uh, yeah so it, it, it was only its third showing so 2019 was uh, the first one ever. Uh, And the reason why I went to it was because I grew up in that area. So before I moved to Vermont, I I grew up in that area and I checked it out. And what was interesting about that convention, it's, it's, it's pretty small, but you know, a lot of uh, designers and publishers are there. There's a lot of presence there because there's this like friend group there. And so we met a lot of people, Donnie and I met a lot of people this way. And we've gone to everyone since there wasn't one in 2020. Uh, but there's been two, 2021, and then recently this 2022. Yeah, uh, and it's 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 a really fun uh, convention because you can you hang out with friends, uh, meet some people that you know, and see how they're doing. There's some cool designer panels. I was on them, uh, and well, it was cool because in 2019 I was viewing them, and then a few years later I was on the other side of of it, and so yeah, you know, talking about my games. So it was a pretty cool transition. Yeah, uh, is I don't know. Is is Alan Moon from upstate New York? Alan Moon is yes. Yeah, okay. Well, he's not from there. Yeah. Oh no. He, okay. He's lived. He's yeah. He's uh from the UK, but he's lived in Syracuse, New York for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, long long enough that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I. I, I uh, thought... Yeah. So that's and and then you know that would would be one of the draws is you know Alan Moon might show up there right. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then you're going to be going to to PAX uh, Unplugged in Philly in December, right? I uh, I can't say 100% I'm going. I'm oh, really okay. hoping to go, but will be there is uh, my game my game with Donnie Co Design. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Mission Control Critical Orbit. Yep. Uh, will be soft released, you know, barring any <laughs> yeah. shipping problems, right? Uh, yep. Will be soft released there. Uh, we showed it at Gen Con. Uh, we had a booth at Gen Con. It's published by Third World Studios. Mm. And uh, it's a cooperative, asymmetric, real-time roll-and-write game. Okay. Uh, so it's, uh, <laughs> yes. And a lot going on where one player is uh, what we're co- is called the Ethernaut in space, running out of oxygen. And they have these polyominoes where they're trying to build oxygen back and get, regain it within 20 minutes. And uh, the other players are all members of Mission Control on on Earth from different countries. Dice are rolled, 
they all have to share the same numbers and every one of their puzzles is, a, is different than the other. So they're using the same numbers to solve different puzzles. And they have to agree on which numbers to use to best suit their puzzles. Uh, and then they give back tools back to the ethernet to help uh, restore oxygen. So it was heavily inspired uh, also from a, a, it was spawned from a co uh, contest, mm. uh, but it basically it was designed when, you know, the, the uh, contest was only one person has to own the game and everyone else mm. can play remotely. So, you know, we're talking a pandemic contest here. So in theory, you only have one player that is the, was the astronaut and the other three are, are just printing up papers. Now it's, you know, since being published, it's going to be dry erase and there's boards involved and everything, but yeah. that's, that's how it was uh, uh, incepted. And the, it was inspired by the Apollo 13 mission of, so uh, there, there's a scenario where they're running out of oxygen and the only way to re re uh, return it was to connect a lunar module to a command module that was already floating around in space. But the two systems had different, uh, you know, ports and they right. had to basically use the members of mission control to decide to tell them to wire, you know, radio up to them. Hey, try this using these supplies you have to fit them back together. And uh, so we we drew a lot of inspiration from that. It's it's been rethemed and everything into this, uh, you know, this different world, sci-fi world. But it, that's that's where the inspiration came from. Well, you, you uh, whether you meant to or not, you you had a successful sales pitch just now because you said uh, enough <laughs> enough buzzwords there for me that I, I'm going to have to go find it because uh, polyomino's and uh roll and write and space uh yeah <laughs> i didn't it, it, it did very well at uh you know good response at gen con we had these big boards you can see some playthroughs of it on youtube uh you know we, we, it was a full size we had people walking around in like space suits uh it was it was a whole ordeal and it was it was a lot of fun to watch people play which just speaks to how big ChinCon is because i missed that somehow but yeah. um no, that that's awesome. It, it, I I missed that there somehow was a, a Bigfoot uh, <laughs> somewhere. I, I did I don't too. know where, but that was there. I know. Well, I, several people I know had taken pictures with it, but I didn't see the pictures until like Sunday when I, I got home, and I'm like, where where in the world where was, was the Bigfoot? I don't even know where they would have put it, but it was yeah. in there somewhere. Yeah, because <laughs> I went in at least three of the side halls, and I went in over in the gaming hall. I, I don't know. I was working a lot, but still, like I, I, I was at I was at the booth the whole time. So anyway, <laughs> no, that 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 sounds fun too. Um, okay, so sorry. I, um, what would you? So you can't really talk. You have some other designs coming you can't really talk about that but let's say you could just design anything you you wanted to write uh this second what would you design uh given no restrictions on on shipping weight or components or anything like that because you did mention that uh, that is something that uh a good designer and now i have talked to a, a few different designers both here on the podcast and and on with my work um I, I feel I feel like this is true. A good designer is usually aware of what components are going to go into their game and how feasible it is to actually make the thing. Like you can make a fun prototype that is never going to be a production game. Um, but if you could make anything, your that restriction is removed. What would you design? Okay, so uh, this is a good question because there's I like to design games that are uh, 
themed after things that I personally enjoy or personally excite me, right? And so sometimes those things are maybe not not necessarily mass market. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yep. uh, one, I, and I have designed a game. Uh, so I'm a big uh, BattleBots fan. Uh, I love combat robotics. Okay. Uh, so basically, oh, okay. these engineers that build, uh, yeah. you know, these robots that have some sort of weapons and they have to knock each other out. And I've been watching it back. It used to be on Comedy Central, you know, yeah. m- you know many, many years ago. And it came back recently. And I, I watch every episode just because I, I love it. I even participated in a like a small version. So they have different weight classes. I've done what's called a beetle weight class. It's three pounds. Okay. Okay. Hold, hold three on. Three pound bot with a little weapon. What, what was the name of your bot then? Uh, mine was called uh, Mantis. Okay. All right. Okay. Go ahead. So three pound. Oh, wait. I even have, hang on. I, I got okay. Okay. Let me let me show off my 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 trophy here for winning. Right. So I yeah. I'm I'm in this. I just want to make sure that I I'm I'm prefacing how how into this I'm. Anyways. Uh, yeah. I would love to make a combat robotics game, and there's maybe you know there's been like the battle bots you know IP yeah. ones that are meant for like kids, and they're not super like. You know, it's just like chucking dice. I know I want the game where you're literally looking at like this motor connected to this weapon gives you this much power, uh, you know, because then you have uh, so many elements. You have building, you have then actually uh, programming, you know, so they like maybe think of Robo Rally type thing. And then you, you have, you know, fighting, which is, is always <laughs> fun right yeah so i i did build a uh i did make a roll and write game you know to, to speak yeah. uh, words that you that you yeah. like <laughs> of this yeah. theme where yeah what where it was actually yeah. a two-phase game where in the first phase you're building the bot and in the second phase you, you you're fighting the other one so in one case you're drawing the parts in the first half and in the second half you're you're crossing them out as you're fighting and then basically whatever you have left over is your score it's kind of kind of like a Sort of like, uh, oh, I don't want to compare it. Like, but you know, it makes me think of cartographers where it, you you're building something up, but then the the bad the you give it to the person your neighbor, and they right. like bad things on there. So it's yeah. kind of like it was kind of like that be- before I even knew what cartographers were. Anyways, it was a game I designed a while ago, and I I'm always revisiting that theme. Like, uh, how can I do it different to make it a little bit more accessible? Uh, because that, so that's kind of like my one of my grail designs is if I could figure that out. I mean, that doesn't sound like it, it's not completely accessible in terms of uh, being for the mass market. I, I think there's a lot of people that would have fun with that. That that sounds like a fun game. Um, well, cool. That, so, what else? Um, what else would you want people to know about? Uh, we'll we'll return to this, and then if there's anything else you want to say about anything at all. But what else would you want people to know about explosions in the laboratory um, as, as it comes to Backerkit next month? I think you know if you like small portable games, uh, if you like push your luck, uh, it you know it's it's and if if or if you're just a fan of Fire the Library, yeah, you're gonna like this game because it gives you that same feel it's not that's i want to be clear it's not the same game it does does things differently but it, you can tell that it was it's in that if you know find the library you're going to be able to tell where the inspirations come from right but it's still its own game and uh, so if you like that you'll you'll like this in a more portable 
travel friendly, you know, pull it out anywhere kind of game uh, where it's just cards and you're, you're not dealing with a whole lot. Um, I think if, if you like that sort of thing, it's, 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 I've played it with uh, you know, various people. I think, you know, it's, it's got a good range of who, who will enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, and there's going to be, there's those good moments of pushing your luck and, you know, like if, again, if you like push your luck, you're going to f- see it. There's those moments of trying to get as many points as you want, or maybe playing it safe. Uh, so it'll, it'll play, play the way you expect. Oh, well, how do, how do you usually play it? Do you play it safe? Or I'm you... usually pretty aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm all, yeah. I'm like, it's just one more card, one more card. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, it pays off sometimes and sometimes not so much. Fair enough. I, I think I want to say I almost lose more often than I win. So <laughs> Sounds but, good. Uh, yeah. yeah anything, anything else? I'm sorry. What, what oh, I just say? said I just like going for it, though. That's, yeah. That's me. Um, so, anything else you want to say about anything at all, or uh, any of your other games, or gaming in, in in Vermont there, or? Um, let's see here. I mean, I have a you know I have a few more games. I I don't I'm not going to try to push them too much. I do have a few <laughs> games on PMP Arcade. Uh, you know, I mentioned okay. uh, making games that are that appeal are things that I enjoy. I I also fly stunt kites. Uh, you know, oh. two string stunt yeah, kites. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually have an eighteen card two player worker placement game, print and play arcade PMP arcade. That's about that's themed on stunt kites. And, you know, it's probably not a theme you've seen before. Uh, no, but that, yeah. <laughs> also out there. Uh, I love uh, time travel. Right, anything time travel. So I I. My, one of my first designs, it's called 27 Panic, and it's based mm-hmm. on uh, uh, the Cromlin Comet, which every 27 years reaches its closest distance to Earth. And so the, the theme is you you travel through time to try to... It's funny, uh, recently, NASA just did this. They they shot a uh, a rocket at yep. an asteroid to send it off course, right? The dart, right. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are, but... <laughs> My, my the theme of this game was you had to go back to, to the last four occurrences that it was known as its periapsis closest to earth and yep. shoot a rocket in it. so you had to go to 1930 you had to go you have to go to 1957 1984 and 2011 uh and and the wrinkle is you're building railroad tracks so uh, if you build a railroad track in 1930 that same track is going to show up every year ahead of it so you're trying to it's, a, it's got a puzzle of trying to line those up very zero like uh, so that, you know that's another game of mine, but just to give you a feel of the the kind of things that excite me and interest me, but and and what you might expect from my designs is I, I take something that I find interesting and I, I I pour everything into that game to try to meld the mechanisms uh, as well with with the mecha- uh, with the theme. And, yeah, uh, I think you'll see that in in uh, Explosion Laboratory. Which you know, I also have this thing with colors. So I know I mentioned red, yeah, blue and yellow. So when you mix red with yellow, it turns into an orange uh, a mm-hmm. concoction, right? So uh, I, that's another th- common thread through a lot of things that I, I seem to work on is is the mixing of colors. Mm. I like that. Um, so w- when you do these stunt kites, is that the thing where you can like cut somebody else's? quarters that no that's that's a, oh i forget what it's called that's a that's an indian uh, style of uh okay you know, ritual and a celebration style it's so called, that's called uh uh kite fighting okay okay where yeah you literally the the they they the strings 
have like something on them that, that cut each other's strings. It is not that stunt kites is literally just doing tricks. So just doing tricks. Okay. Flipping the kite, making it. But you know, if you turn it, the 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 cables will cross. So eventually, you have to spin it the other way to uncross them. Okay. Uh, and, and things like that because it's two lines. Uh, and, I, yeah, I feel flips and everything, and you can land them. They call it what's uh-huh. called a stall to make it land on the ground and then go back up. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, thank you, Corey. I uh, appreciate your time. And I, I am looking forward to what else you have, have coming, even though you can't talk about it yet. So maybe we'll have you back on the show at some point to talk about your, your other designs uh, that, that you, that are hush hush right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> but uh, at, uh, November 1st, November uh, 1st, November 1st, uh, Explosion Laboratory. I'm pretty excited that, you know, it's finally going to launch and, you know, it's, it's, it's really exciting for me to see it go out there because I think I think uh, everyone's going to really like it. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Board Again Games as I talked with game designer Corey Andalora about his love of engine building and what drives his personal game design. Happy gaming and we'll catch you later.